Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Real Stories Tapes, True Crime, a weekly podcast from Real Stories, the online home of exclusive and award-winning documentaries from all over the world. My name is Stephanie Bauer, and this series takes some of Real Stories' most compelling true crime documentaries and turns them into podcasts. This episode is the first installment of a four-part story based on a documentary called Angel of Death. It goes inside a police investigation into the mysterious deaths of a number of patients at a California hospital. Some people's names and the name of the hospital have been changed. This story is narrated by Anthony Call. California hospital. Patients are mysteriously dying on the graveyard shift. Their internal organs are paralyzed as they slowly suffocate. The deaths devastate families searching for answers. The death toll climbs, and rumors and innuendo point to murder. Police must rely on science to stop an angel of death. In this program, some of the names of the participants have been changed, as well as the name of the hospital. In the hospital's intensive care unit, doctors struggled to keep Trisha Johnson alive. Her husband, Larry, stayed by her bedside. She had been in the ICU for days. Doctors believed the worst was finally behind her. Around 3 o'clock a.m., he went to get a cup of coffee. As he left his sleeping wife's side, he had no way of knowing it was the last time he would see her alive.
only moments after he walked out of her room. Trisha's vital signs began to plummet. The nurse's station was alerted. She was in full arrest. The drama team rushed to Trisha's room. Her heart had stopped. When Larry returned, he saw the doctors surrounding his wife. nothing else they could do. She was dead. Respiratory therapist Bob Baker had become accustomed to sudden deaths in the ICU. We do work around a lot of emergencies, a lot of death, a lot of sadness. We've had patients that we thought were stable and uh, all of a sudden they died. The staff at the ICU worked with patients who were on the edge between life and death. They're in a very fragile state. We're there to monitor the life support systems they're on and care for them. Many of them, we stabilize them and they're, they're very predictable. And uh, then there's the other group of patients that are very unstable. Some of the patients were placed in the ICU to recover for a few days after routine surgery. John Schwartz was admitted to ICU after he had his hip replaced. His granddaughter, Mary Nichol, was grateful his recovery was going so well. His prognosis was he's going home in four days. It was the holiday weekend. It was a Friday, and they wanted him to go home on Tuesday. Schwartz had been restrained, so he didn't re-injure his hip. When a nurse went to check on Schwartz later that night, he found him on the floor. It seemed he had struggled free of his restraints. The code rang out, and all the staff on duty rushed to Schwartz's aid. I got air, doctor. He was healthy, and he just needed rehabilitation. You know, using you learning to walk again on with a new hip. And that's all it was. He didn't have anything else wrong with him. The doctors, nurses, and respiratory care specialists did all they could, but it was not enough. Same CPR. Give him a milligram of that, please. Schwartz died 15 minutes after he was found. Mary Nichol was shocked. Let's call it 137. I wasn't ready for it. I had no inclination that he was going to pass because he was healthy. He had a good heart. It was extremely unusual for someone to die after a routine hip replacement. Mm -hmm. 
Schwartz's sudden death seemed especially odd. A nurse checked on him just an hour before. No one could explain how he escaped his restraints. The rising number of strange deaths bothered the respiratory therapists as well. No one was certain whether something was wrong or if the deaths were just a coincidence. Over the next months, the ICU continued treating a large number of patients. When Sarah Ascari was rushed to the hospital, she was having trouble breathing. But now she was off the respirator and stable. This particular patient had a very severe lung disease, but she was improving to the point where she could go home. We had her on a, um, what we call a BiPAP. She didn't need that anymore. She was getting better. But Sarah Ascari would never make it home. At 4.10 a.m., her respiration rate suddenly shot up. Four minutes later, she stopped breathing. Then her heart stopped. The patient had a do not resuscitate order, so the staff could not make any attempt to revive her. Sarah Ascari was dead. Okay, let's just get her prepared. Um, I'll call the resident to pronounce her. I'll call the attending. If you can put the family in the waiting room so we can have a conference and just It was a big surprise to me to find out that she had all of a sudden died. It was another sudden, unexplained death of a patient who seemed to be recovering. Something about Ascari's death didn't seem right. The strange deaths concerned Bob Baker. His suspicion grew when he came upon a used syringe with a vial of drugs taped to it in one of the hospital's storage rooms. He thought it might belong to one of the labs, but they told them they didn't keep anything in that storage room. They're never supposed to be sitting out. When I found out that it didn't belong to the Bronx lab, I thought, well, maybe somebody's abusing. This was a violation of procedure. Narcotics were kept in a locked refrigerator. This is starting to sound serious. I just thought, okay, this is another piece to the puzzle. Baker went to talk with the other respiratory therapists. If one of them was abusing drugs, he wanted to get it out in the open. Found a used syringe, vial of morphine tape to it up in the equipment room. His coworkers thought it might have been an oversight and dismissed it. Baker wasn't so sure. Throughout this entire time, Jean Coyle was a frequent patient at the hospital. Seeing her through her many hospital visits was her daughter, Michelle Elmore. She started having more and more breathing problems and more frequent visits to the hospital. 
and um, she would get breathing treatments. Each time she was short of breath, she would call the staff. Her hand seldom left the call button. Ma'am, please stop pressing the button. I'm going to take care of it. The nurses are on their way. Are they going to bring my pillow? Yes, they're going to bring your pillow. My mom would get frightened about her breathing, and she felt more secure being at the hospital when she couldn't breathe. At 2.05 AM, Jean's blood pressure dropped to zero. Minutes later, she went into respiratory arrest. All right, I need some ventilation here. She's not breathing. bounced back quickly. Within 40 minutes, she was stable and well-oriented. I got a call from the hospital late at night. I was shocked as I had just talked to her and she was fine before that. I asked the nurse what had happened. Did she have a stroke or a heart attack or something? What caused that? And she said that they didn't know the cause. It just happened. Mom, how are you doing? Michelle's mother explained what had transpired. Mom told me that she had um, felt funny that evening and she couldn't breathe. So she pushed the button for the nurse and um, she remembers waking up to being, being resuscitated by uh, Mr. Efren Saldivar, who was the respiratory therapist. CrimeCon, the world's number one true crime event, is coming to London in 2021 on Saturday the 25th and 26th September. Get inside the mind of serial killers and psychopaths, learn from leading criminologists, immerse yourself in forensic evidence, and delve deeper into unsolved crimes. CrimeCon is the ultimate true crime weekend, partnered with crime and investigation and a perfect opportunity to meet fellow true crime enthusiasts. Limited tickets are on sale now at crimecon.co.uk and we have an exclusive discount code for you. To claim your discount, enter the code REAL at checkout. That's R-E-A-L, REAL. Head over to crimecon.co.uk now. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The next morning, Efren Saldivar took the blood sample to the lab for testing. Good. Just sit down. Baker tested it to measure the amount of oxygen in her blood at the time of her arrest. Her oxygen levels were normal. This was highly unusual for someone who had suffered a heart attack and nearly died. Strange events at the hospital continued to concern Baker. Jean Coyle's attack occurred on Efren Saldivar's shift. He was a um, kind of a bad luck guy, you know, was Efren on, you know, because it's bad luck because patients die when he's on. The next morning as he was leaving, Baker got some startling news from another respiratory therapist named Everett Weir. We're walking out to the, the car and we we're talking about golf and um, he says, oh, you know that patient, uh, Efren did that, killed her. I don't know about Efren and his magic syringe, his magic syringe, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. He told Baker rumors were going around Saldivar killed one of his patients. To go in and kill a patient with, um, by using a magic syringe, uh, just didn't seem very real to me. No, no, hang on a second. See, I've been hearing all these rumors about you in the hospital, but I haven't been listening to them. Don't look at her, look at me. My concern was with exactly what was Efren doing. It made me mad that he would uh, have anything to do with my patient at all because I didn't like his therapy and I didn't like him. Baker told Saldivar to stay away from his patients. Understood? Baker decided he had to do something. I heard it frequently enough, and it was just shortly after I had been told about my patient up in uh, CCU that somebody, that uh, Efron had killed my patient. It was just a little while after that that I said, you know what, this, this sounds serious. We need to bring this to somebody's attention. In April of 1997, Baker went to his boss and told him about the rumors. I said, uh, in short, uh, people are saying that Efren's killing his patients. They told me that he killed this one particular patient in CCU, and I could get you the name if you need it. Baker had made a serious accusation, but the idea someone was killing patients in the hospital seemed impossible to believe. A string of unexpected deaths at a California hospital 
sparked rumors that one of the respiratory therapists had a magic syringe. The rumors all centered around one man, Efren Saldivar. To try and confirm or refute the rumors, hospital officials tallied the deaths on Saldivar's shifts over the past year. They compared them to the number of deaths at other times, but found nothing statistically unusual. Respiratory therapist Bob Baker had brought the rumors to the hospital's attention. They tried to match up the days that uh, Efren was working and did more patients die that night than when he was off. There was no uh, big difference or big uh, increase in patient deaths. They just dropped it at that point and said, well, you know, there's nothing to it. The hospital could find no link between any of their employees and the deaths. The ICU remained busy. Myrtle Brower was admitted after coming down with pneumonia. She was being cared for by her great niece, Vicki Lowry. When we took her to the hospital, we figured she'd be home in a couple weeks. I expected to bring her home for her birthday. After several days in the ICU, she suddenly stopped breathing. But her heart continued to beat. She was slowly suffocating. The puzzling deaths were difficult for the families to accept. When you care about your loved one, you bring them into the hospital, you expect them to be taken care of. You go home that night knowing that they're safe and being taken care of by professionals. And you take solace in knowing that life is sacred to the people who work in that institution. And we're going to do everything we can to help your relative and care for them. Hospital officials were aware of the rumors that something strange was going on, but did not have enough information to do anything about it. That all changed when an administrator received an anonymous call. A man claimed a lady friend on the hospital staff told him a respiratory therapist was helping patients die. The man refused to reveal his friend's identity, but told the administrator to look at Efren Saldivar. The administrator asked the caller for his name, and he told her it was Jeff Broden. Hospital officials went to the police. Glendale police officer John McKillop. I got a call from the chief's office. Come to the office, we have a situation that we have to uh, discuss. You don't get invited to the chief's office to discuss a case normally. It's a, uh, I knew there was something, something major going on. Hospital administrators related what Jeff Broden told them. The officers advised the officials to take Saldivar off their work schedule for a few days while they investigated. Police suspected Broden may have an ulterior motive. Detective Anthony Fuchsia ran a background check. When somebody's making an allegation that uh, people are being killed, uh, we want to know whether or not these individuals who are, are making these comments you know, are, are of good moral character. We ran Jeff's background uh, through the computer system and found out that he had a pretty extensive criminal history. He was arrested for attempted murder. He was arrested on some theft charges, narcotics possession charges. So he's familiar with the criminal justice system, and he's, he's got a criminal mindset. He may have cooked up the story to extort money from the hospital. 
Detective Fusion, his partner Will Curry, located their informant. But Broden changed his story. He told them everything was a big misunderstanding. He must have heard wrong. Nobody was killing any patients at the hospital. When he slammed the door in our face, uh, Investigator Curry and I just kind of looked at each other and said, huh, this isn't the place to start. We're going to have to find another you know, uh, individual to talk to to see if we can uh, you know, work this uh, from a different angle. Hospital administrators told police Evelyn Abrams could be Broden's lady friend. She often worked the graveyard shift with Efren Saldivar. She said there was no basis to uh, the rumors, that it was all just rumor, and that she had worked with Efren for a very long time, and she didn't believe that he was capable of doing anything like that. Abrams went on to explain she'd been involved with both Jeff and Efren. To Anthony Fuchsia, this seemed to explain the entire situation. There was a consideration on our part that maybe um, the fact that Efren was having a sexual relationship with Evelyn may have been the motivation for Jeff to make the call and allege that Efren was doing this as a way of getting back at him. She told the detectives Jeff must have made up the story. We were of the opinion that it's, you know, it was just one of those vicious rumors that uh, sometimes occurs in the workplace. Maybe this was just all rumor and innuendo, and that, in fact, there was really no basis to the allegations. Investigators questioned Bob Baker. He insisted they meet outside. We talked to him out in the parking lot at the hospital. He had told us that particular night about a prank that he had pulled on Efren along with another respiratory therapist. Baker told him about something strange he found one night while he was working the graveyard shift with Everett Weir. They decided to play a trick on one of the other respiratory therapists. They were rigging up his locker so that when he opened it, he would be covered with flour. They had taken some things from his locker and needed a place to stash them. Knowing Saldivar was not scheduled to work for a few days, they decided to borrow his locker. Inside, Baker noticed a plastic bag bulging with drugs. The bag of drugs was, was fairly huge, and it was full of... Uh, morphine and Demerol and Valium and bag, just stuffed full of drugs. You could think at that point, well, maybe he's selling it to someone. And then I saw on the shelf two vials of succinylcholine. Succinylcholine chloride paralyzes the muscles and is used to make it easier to insert breathing tubes. It can be an extremely deadly drug if administered improperly. When you are paralyzed with succinylcholine, uh, you can still hear and think and feel. Um, and that's the reason we give the morphine or give them a sedative to put them into a dream state because it's uh, it, extremely terrifying. If you can imagine being completely paralyzed and you can see and you can hear and you can't move a muscle. 
and your brain is completely working normal. When I saw the succinylcholine in the locker, it's obvious that he could not abuse this drug. This uh, could not be for personal use. He would kill himself. Baker told the officers he kept quiet about what he had found. Nobody outside of the doctor is supposed to be in possession of that. So when he saw that in Efren's locker, you know, it raised a red flag for him. But he told us he didn't go to anybody with that information because he was in Efren's locker, um, kind of what he thought illegally. Suspicious of Baker's motives, the detectives went to Baker's supervisor. He said it was common knowledge Baker and Saldivar hated each other. He thought Baker made up the magic syringe rumor in an effort to ruin Saldivar's reputation. Do you think there's any truth there may have been some bias there on the part of Bob Baker as to the statements that he was giving us. You know, were they skewed a certain way to make, to put effort in a bad light? You know, that's something that you take into consideration. The detectives hadn't uncovered much. Both Broden and Baker had motives for making up the rumor. And in the middle was Saldivar's co-worker on the graveyard shift, Evelyn Abrams. We were on this roller coaster ride from day one. We all kind of thought at that time that was it was probably just a dark rumor or it was uh, just someone's ploy to get money out of the hospital. The hospital had kept Saldivar off work for the entire week. But for detectives, the next step was clear. Based on everything, we're getting dead end, dead end, dead end. Um, no, it's not happening. And then, you know, ultimately we got down to, OK, let's bring in Efren. I'll bring him in. Well, it was time to pull in Saldivar. They had no idea what surprises he had in store for them. I'd like to speak with Efren Saldivar, please. In the next episode, the investigation into the unexplained ICU deaths intensifies. This podcast episode is based on the documentary Angel of Death. It is directed by Jeff Fine and produced by New Dominion Pictures. You can watch this story, plus many others, in full length for free if you go to Real Stories' YouTube channel. I am your host, Stephanie Bauer. If you liked this episode, remember to subscribe and leave a review and help us spread the word. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at RealStoriesDocs. That's one word, Real Stories, Docs, spelled D-O-C-S. See you next week. Until then, stay safe. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.